This is Andrea Lewis, and you are listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Welcome back. One thing I love about doing this podcast is the chance to get to know people beyond the roles that they're recognized for. That role may be the lead singer of a beloved band, the host of a popular podcast, or in today's case, an actress who was introduced to many of us as Hazel on Degrassi The Next Generation. Beyond her time on the Canadian cult classic, she has some great credits to her name, working with icons like Diane Carroll and Henry Duff, while in recent years flipping the camera to write, produce, and direct her own projects, as well as be a pretty poppin' content creator. It's my pleasure to welcome actress, entrepreneur, all-around creative, and the happiest person in the room because she just got married, Andrea Lewis. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get started, um, set the scene for us. From where in the world are you calling and what are your surroundings right now? I am currently in Toronto. I'm here for the holidays and my mom's birthday. My mom's birthday is right at the same week as the holidays. And um, and I'm in my studio. I have like a creative space where I can do everything, like my auditions, my content, uh, voiceover stuff. Like, so I'm in my studio. I love that. And we're definitely going to get into your work and what you've been producing lately and coming up with. Um, but first, I have to say, you know, you I feel like you caught some of the fans off guard and people that follow you um, when you posted a few months ago, like, hey, girl, I just got married. I was like, OK, yes. Come on. Beautiful surprise wedding. How <laughs> How is life as a newlywed? Are you loving it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I I would say this. It's, it's really not that different from. Um, at least to me, it hasn't been that different from just being in a regular relationship. And I, I actually think that's a good thing personally, because I used to have a lot of, um, fears that there was like a big transition that from like being boyfriend and girlfriend into being now husband and wife, like that the person just completely acts different or, or, you know, anything like that could happen. And Truthfully, it's the same. So I'm very pleased to say it will feel the same. If you are with the right person, the transition is just now you guys are legally bind. That's all. (laughs) It's what they say. um, You know, at the end of the day, it's just paperwork. That's the only difference. Yes, yeah, just a contract. It's just it's just you two being like we like each other so much. We'd like for it to be difficult to leave each other. That's all it really is. So, yeah. I, so it feels good. I love that. So that's where you're at now. Um, let's go back so we can get to the present. Um, you grew up in Canada, right? Yeah, I grew up in Toronto. I did. I love that. So tell us a little bit about your early life and, you know, especially like now, um, you know, having a place in the U.S. as well, I believe, and, you know, Mm -hmm. going abroad. Um, Tell us about growing up in Canada and, you know, how you got bit by that acting bug. 
Um, well, Toronto is what I can speak to Toronto. I can't speak to all of Canada, but I can speak to Toronto, which is a beautiful and diverse city. And, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I would say that I think, I think Toronto is one of the best places to grow up. You get to experience a lot of different cultures. It's, I think it's actually like, I really believe this. It's one of the most diverse cities in North America and different in a way from like, um, a New York, I used to live in New York and I love New York, but um, in Toronto, I think you get a lot of like mixing of cultures. And so you get to experience and learn about a lot of different groups of people. And that was like a big part of my upbringing and, and just being, um, my family's from the West Indies and there's a lot of West Indians here in, in Toronto. And so you just get a good sense of your own culture while also having others around you. And, um, and then at the same time, I, I grew up as a child actor. So um, the city, especially um, Canada overall, but especially Toronto and Vancouver, were the places where filming was just really happening. So there was like a lot of opportunity for you as a kid in like the early nineties, going into the early two thousands. That was just, um, I, I, I felt like the city was just like abundant with opportunity and, and a lot of films were here that were, you know, faking as Chicago, but they were really filming in Toronto. <laughs> and, um, and so you got to have a lot of opportunity for yourself. And so that was the same for me. And so I, um, I had a really fortunate way of getting into the business where my mom was walking around with me at a mall and I was about a year old and the casting director stopped her and was like, oh, your daughter's so cute. You should um, have her in modeling and all that stuff. And, and my mom didn't know anybody doing that. And so she was just like, oh, okay. She took the card, didn't really think about it. And then the next year she was on maternity leave again with my brother. So she had time again and um, she called the woman and she remembered. And that was literally how I got started. I started doing um, magazines and print and then to commercials and then to um, guest spots and then just like kept going with it. But the truth of the matter is it's kind of like um, what came first, chicken or the egg? Because my mom said I was also just like an entertainment baby. I just, I love to like sing and dance and act and, and pretend. And I had a really wild imagination. So I, I just suited the business and I was lucky that it kind of just came to my doorstep as a little girl. And so I, I easily have one of the easiest ways of getting into the business that I know, because I know lots of people. Um, and so my, my experience was just, I'd always done it. And luckily I had very normal parents where they weren't like stage parents. They treated acting more like uh, my karate lessons or my piano lessons. Like it was the same as everything. It was the same intensity, same commitment. Um, and so um, it was very normalized for me. So I've, I've had the same best friend since I was in kindergarten and she literally met me as an actress. And so everybody around me has only known me to do one thing. And I think that's why I've, I've become a very normal person. I love that. I mean, and it all sounds, you know, very pleasant. And uh, when I spoke with uh, Mike LaBelle, uh, who played Jay on Degrassi, everyone, um, before, earlier on the podcast, he, you know, talked about, you know, having sets always around because he was in Toronto and always seeing, like, um, production trailers and stuff like that. So, you know, just, I guess despite you having that almost natural instinct, you were in the right place at the right time, child. Yeah, it's, I guess it's one of those things, which is kind of like, you know, when I, I moved to L.A. when I was uh, just turned 20 and L.A. 
didn't feel any different to Toronto, truthfully. The only difference to me was like the weather, but it was like, um, it was kind of the same idea. I met lots of people that came there at an early age or grew up there and they were very accustomed to growing up um, with the entertainment business around them. And so not everybody had this in Toronto, obviously, but you, it was very normal. You totally could have had an upbringing where you were around a lot of art and a lot of entertainment. And, and so, yeah, I think it was just, it's just a good city in that way. And it still is. I still encourage people if they haven't been to Toronto to, to, to visit it, to see it, um, because it's just a beautiful place. Well, it's on my list. And so you got into the business early and definitely worked on projects before we get into the big D word. Um, but especially like, you know, playing a young Natalie Cole in Living for Love, the Natalie Cole story, which to me is just such a cool part of your resume to have been in that role with such an... Um, you know, telling such an iconic story and then working with legends like Diane Carroll and Robert Townsend. Can you tell me a little bit about your time on that in on that set and just, you know, being around veterans like that? Um, yeah, I was really excited. Uh, luckily, you know, my parents were really good about introducing me to uh, Black film, Black artists, and also, um, you know, like just... I think black people who were really uh, paving the way. And both Diane Carroll and Robert Townsend were those kind of artists. Like Diane Carroll's first black woman to ever have like her own um, television show where she was the lead. And, and Robert Townsend, literally an actor and a comedian who created his own work with like Hollywood Shuffle and just was, was doing it um, his own way from very, very early on in his career. And so when I met them, I was, excited like I was truly really excited because that's how my parents introduced me to these people in my life and so to then be on a set with them was um was yeah I was I was like nervous I was excited I was um grateful I was like all of those things because I was just a little girl and so you're learning you're observing you're also like having to tell people at school that you're gonna need time off to do this um and so it, it was a it was a really good experience in that way. I think when I look back on it now, I can say that um, I was very lucky, and and also it kind of opens your eyes to knowing that like you can have anything, you can do anything. Because there I was, a little girl. My parents had introduced me to these people long before um, being on that set. Like they just in general were like, "This is somebody you should look at. This is somebody you should know." Like I remember Diane Carroll did a special performance of Sunset Boulevard in Toronto. And my mom and my grandmother and I like had to go. It was like a must. And my grandmother was just like gushing and talking about how much of a fan she was of Diane Carroll. And so like, I had a lot of moments like that. So then eventually to be on set with her was like, oh my God, like I cannot believe that this is um, happening to me. But at the same time, uh, I love being in the entertainment business. So it kind of just felt like, yeah, eventually you, you'll meet people like this. And and so here you are. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so you're getting your, your chops um, throughout the years and then kind of on a, you know, maybe an audition you weren't, I don't want to say not invested in, but maybe, you know, not thinking too much about, you know, you did a few auditions for, uh, for Degrassi and mm -hmm. then got the call back with, okay, we, we've got something we're thinking about. Um, We've got a character named Paige. She, um, we need a best friend for her. We think you would play a great role. Uh, 
those beginning days on on the show of Degrassi, and you're joining it, and you didn't you kind of knew what the old one was, right? The the original, but you weren't a huge fan or anything. No, no, I, I I knew of it. I had a friend that I grew up with who had an older brother who watched it all the time. So um, so I remember when I booked it, I told her, and she was like, "What?" Like, cause she knew about it. But um, but no, it was not a staple in my life. But um, but my process into the show was um, I was auditioning when they were auditioning, and and I at, at the time they just kind of like gave you monologues and had you like read different characters. So I remember at the time. I had read uh, Terry and then I had read Ashley and then I had a callback and, and it was again for a Terry and it was kind of, or, or was it for Ashley? I can't remember now, but I had a callback and that's where I actually met Christina and I met uh, who played Terry and I played, I met um, Cassie who played Manny and Sarah um, who played Liberty. And, um, and so it was like a bunch of callbacks, typical kind of like, TV process. And um, at the time though, I was also auditioning for another film on the Disney channel called Cadet Kelly. And um, I booked that first and um, that filmed for like three to four months. And so I um, booked that, went and filmed it. And then when I finished, uh, when I wrapped on that, my agent called me and said the people at Degrassi would still really like for you to be on the show. And they've created this character named Hazel. That's going to be Paige's best friend. Would you like to come on and play her? And I was like, sure. And so I went through, um, I started like midway through the filming season of the first season. And it was because I had, I was filming something else beforehand. So I wasn't available for this, for the start of their, um, filming process. And, and so, yeah. And when I, when I got onto the show, um, you know, it's, it can be a little intimidating. Like they'd been filming for a few months and, and stuff like that. But um, when I got on, everybody was so friendly. And, um, and because we'd seen people at auditions, like my very first audition, I saw Aubrey. Um, like, so you'd saw people in this waiting room. So now when you saw them on the set, it was like, Oh, okay, well I saw you did it. And you know how kids are. And so, um, so yeah, luckily, walking onto the set, it, it it wasn't like a weird transition for me. It was very smooth and very easy. And um, and I'm, I'm now pleased about that, now that I think about it, because kids can be weird. So <laughs> luckily they weren't. Kids can be weird, but I feel like there was a lot of like genuine bonds between a lot of you um, that probably started early. Um, and was it cool to have, uh, you know, other Degrassi veterans there, like, um, Stefan Brogren, who played Mr. Simpson, or, you know, you know, any of those other, you know, old school Degrassi peeps there to lead you along the way? Yeah, I mean, it's always fun. Any any project that you can be a part of that's like, um, like a remake or number two or anything like that of something where it already has like a built in audience and name. I always think it's cool to bring in like the alumni, basically, to bring in the people that like really you know, can tell you the stories and what it was like. And so it was always good to see, like, to see that, that um, not only were these guys on the original and and had, I guess, in some ways, a similar experience in terms of being a young person on a set, um, but also now were adults and could tell you their experience in the business just in general. Um, and so that was always um, really fun and really interesting for, for any of us, or for me, especially just to be able to, to um, see that. And like, like I said, where 
I had a few friends who were original Degrassi fans. And so anytime that I tell them like, yeah, oh, Spike was on set today. It was like, what? Like they would freak out. So you know, I'm like, that's, I think how, um, I think that's like, if they were going to do something like that again, like that's probably how somebody else would feel if they were like, Spinner was on set. No way. Like it would be the exact same idea. So yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I swear if they do another reboot, I, I don't even know. I would be beside myself. <laughs> I mean, just to be honest, I mean, especially after all the episodes I've consumed, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for another, I'm ready for another 18 years. <laughs> but like, okay. I mean, but I mean, it would make sense to, you know, bring back, you know, Spinner as a, as a teacher totally, or maybe totally. Liberty's uh, ch- child that, you know, comes back in the way Emma did or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Something completely, something random. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, one of the main audience questions that uh, people send in when I, I interview someone from the show, um, and even when I let some people know that you were going to be on today, is people are always asking about relationships behind behind the scenes mm-hmm. and romance and stuff like that. You know, did y'all have like a no dating rule, like the kids on Glee, because they were like officially not allowed to you know be romantic and stuff like that well i guess they broke those rules but um <laughs> <laughs> um no no i don't I, I think you can't control child actors in that way truthfully I, I don't think you can i think they just you just have to like let them be they're teenagers and so teens will be teens and so yeah we were all very close and so i think it would be difficult i think if somebody was to say we weren't allowed to do um, certain things, like things we weren't allowed to do at like lunchtime, we were not allowed to just like all leave the set and like go somewhere because <laughs> we like need permission. Like if we were like, oh, we're gonna like go up the street for like fries, it was like, okay, okay, guys, but like all of you have to come back and like you know they because we're teens at the exact same time. It's like teens are like a a bunch of puppies running around. Like you're really wild when you really think about it, and so. Um, yeah, no, they didn't have any rules like that. Yeah, I can only imagine the producers and the writers and, you know, the staff there trying to keep a hold of all of y'all. That's I, fun to imagine. Fun to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and even just, like, I, I was uh, listening. I don't remember where I read this one or heard this one. But, uh, you know, like, just like teens, too, they had this one thing. And th- something that's always um, popped out to me. Uh, about the show is that they like real kids you know would repeat outfits in you know in real life and so they would have some of the characters wear some of the same outfits like i don't know if everyone remembers um spinner always wore this blue t-shirt with skateboards on it Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know you had that you know half blue cameo half mesh sleeveless (laughs) hoodie she had the worst clothes hazel's clothes are awful just every single outfit I'm like, oh my god, yeah. The the, the fashion was real, and um, but I love that, you know, and it was so like true to true to heart. And so, and I and I heard you say that you know you didn't haven't really like watched back the episodes. Would you ever consider maybe with Christina Schmidt who played Terry doing Mm -hmm. like a rewatch podcast? Because I just had this like vision last night as I was (laughs) looking, um, doing research on you, and I was like, wow, you know, the kids from Glee do that 
rewatch podcast. It's really popular. The the mm-hmm. ladies from the office do it. I and, know. I was gonna say the office ladies. Is so yeah, funny. and you know, I feel like y'all would have some good behind the scenes stories. See some stuff. You you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing a full pitch here. Okay, Andrea. Like I just feel it uh, in my bones. You know what? I we'd have to th- we'd have to think about it. We're both. We feel so bad. We're both such snobs about it because. <laughs> In reality, we always like. I always try to tell people this: like, we 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 are the we are the actors, and not the characters. And so, it is very different being an actor on a set playing a role than it is really being that thing. And even the interest in watching it of, um, and that's just totally how I am in general. Where it's like, like I I literally I did a film earlier this year, and um, one of my castmates had said this that he loves to watch himself. He loves to go watch the film and he's like, and I watch it as a fan and I, this and that. And I was like, not me. I was like, I do not do that at all. And literally recently the director sent me like a rough cut and I was like tempted to be like, you don't got to send this to me. Like, I don't have to watch this. I don't, I don't need this at all because it's just not fun. It's not, um, it's not a fun experience. Cause you're, you naturally will critique yourself. Um, and I think if there's somebody who's capable of not, then like, wow, really good for them. Sorry, my self-love is not set up in that way. So I do not watch myself with a kind heart. And then at the same time, I think I, I also avoid watching Degrassi stuff because, you know, you, 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 I'm not, back then I'm not who I am now. I'm, I'm much more confident. I'm much more sure of myself. And so I think it just will, brings up too many like, remember this experience or remember how you felt or remember that day. And, um, and so, yeah, I don't know. Christina thinks the same thing as me. We're both kind of like, huh? Uh, so well I totally yeah, respect I that to think about it. Yeah. I totally respect <laughs> that but I'm just I just want to say that if you ever decide to do it um you know I I really support that idea and I feel like it'd be <laughs> very successful okay so just <laughs> that's you. that's just a pitch but um <laughs> you know and you mentioned uh another iconic cast that you were part of which was the Cadet Kelly cast we're going to mm-hmm. get into that We're going to get into your newer work and what's going on in your life right after this break, y'all. You never know who'll show up to the Wayne Holtz podcast. Really happy to be here on your podcast. Thank you. Rock goddess Nina Diaz. You know, first of all, it begins with having the passion, having the passion for the music. TV host, author. And a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, don't forget that. Of course, Ross. And celebrity big brother contestant, Ross Matthews. When you reached out to me and asked if I'd be on your podcast, it was a no-brainer. I love people who create and contribute, and that is you. It is so nice to talk to you. Cool conversations with people we want to know more about. Hey, guys, this is Chris Booker, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is J.D. Sampson, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is Perez Hilton, and you are listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Listen to the Wayne Holtz Podcast free now on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and at thewayneholtz.com. And welcome back to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. We are speaking with Andrea Lewis, who, uh, you know, has worked with a lot of great people over the years, been in some, you know, not only cool classic shows, but I mean, Cadet Kelly, when people Mm -hmm. think, when people think about that movie, you know, there's Mm -hmm. such affection and, you know, it's really cool because you were in that film with, uh, you know, Hilary Duff and Christy Carson, Carson Romano and a lot of other great people 
And it was at the height of, like, Disney Channel movies, you know? Yeah. Like, what was it like, like, joining the Disney family and suddenly being in that zeitgeist, which I feel like is a whole other level from the Degrassi one? Um, oh, yeah. You know what? Um, I don't know why. Like, the, the, the project was really downplayed to me. I have no idea why. I think about this all the time. Like, I had multiple auditions for it, like maybe three or four auditions. And, um, and I remember having fun with the audition. So I wasn't really like, uh, annoyed or stressed that I like kept having a callback and kept having a callback. I remember at the time, like genuinely in enjoying my experience in the room. Um, and so I was like, Oh, great. I'm going to like try this thing when I go back or like talk to them about this thing. And, um, and usually like, usually when you get a casting breakdown for an audition, like you see the names attached. If, if these names are attached, you see the names attached, you see like all this stuff. So you kind of go into it with an awareness. I have no idea if I just didn't read it or what, but with Cadet Kelly, I had no idea. Like I did not know who was in it. I didn't know anything. So when I booked it, um, my first time realizing who was in it was at the table read. And I remember the table read was at like, uh, 9am or something, something really early. And, um, my brother came with me and we went and only when we went, we're sitting in the room, like Hillary came in and then Christy and we were like, what? Like had no clue. And at the time, like I am of the age. So I really was watching Lizzie McGuire and even Stevens. And so I was super excited, like to be like, Oh, this is, this is going to be like something really legit because <laughs> here these guys are. And, um, and, you know, they were truly like Disney princesses. And so I was very excited about that. Um, Hillary and her mom were the first people to tell me to come to LA. Uh, so that experience overall changed a lot of things for me because her mom and, um, Susan, and they were like, you must come to LA and like, you have to come to the premiere. Like you cannot miss it. You must be there. And so my mom and I went and, and they like really set us up in terms of being in Los Angeles. Like they set us up with their age and it was like a whole smooth transition for me, um, at the time, which I was, I, I think I had just 16, maybe soon to be 17. So it was like the very early understandings of what being in Los Angeles was like for me. And both Christy and Hillary had experienced that uh, for themselves coming from Texas and just, you know, making that trip. And uh, which was very normal, I think, if you were an American doing that. From Canada, it's a little different. You need like a little bit more of an immigration process. But it was the beginning for me. And so, yeah, Cadet Kelly was um, truly like just this beautiful experience. It was a really unexpected project that just kind of came in. I always tell people it's like I, I myself was not necessarily like Carla. Carla was like from the wrong side of the tracks and like really serious and all this stuff. And um, I'm just like a little suburban girl. And so in, in playing her, I got to have a lot of fun because you got to play kind of a character that you just not like. And, um, but it was really hot when we were filming it. I remember this in Toronto, it was like steaming hot for some reason, it was like a heat wave. Mm. And, um, and, and, in, and, that, was, and those like polyester uniforms. Yeah, like, and we were like in those, was. exactly. And oh, we were like God. truly hot, like very, very, uh, very hot. So I was actually glad that I had to have my hair back in a bun the entire time because otherwise I don't know what they would have been working with. But um, 
and yeah, like like the whole set was was very fun. So even all the girls who played like the background with us, who were like our like troop kind of thing, we like they were with us the whole time. So it was like in between takes, we were all together and like playing games and just having a really good time um, within that process. So I'm like Cadet Kelly, and it's it's like the gift that keeps on giving because people still talk to me about it, which is just hilarious to me because it's like so old, but it's, I, I not, I feel like it comes on like four to five times a year. And it's just this, this project that I would not have expected that it's, that it's become. Um, but I'm very grateful for it. I even recently discovered at least based on TikTok that it's kind of like, it's like, got, um, it's like almost like a coming out movie. It's like a, it's like a queer icon movie. Like people are kind of like, oh, it's like very queer. And I was like, really? Like never looked at it like that. Never saw it like that. And so many people will be like, oh, Cadet Kelly was how I knew that I was gay. And I was like, I would not have ever known that about that film, but it's it's had many lives. It's one of those films. I definitely did not make that connection until recently. I know. And, <laughs> and now that I know, I'm like, okay, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And like, <laughs> I feel that, like I feel that in my bones. Wow, so good. And I love hearing that story about, um, you know, Hillary and Christy kind of, you know, being a bit of a big sister roles and stuff. That's that's great. Mm -hmm. And from learning stuff on set there and kind of flipping it to where now you're helping all of us learn with your your content every day, whether it be motivating um, through Mm -hmm. your thoughts on mental health and self-worth and to your productions and and content that you make. Um, what made you flip the camera and start, you know, creating content like films and your your web series, Black Actress, um, mm-hmm. and going into that space? Well, I always knew I was going to do that. Um, like I said, I've been in the business since I was a little girl, so um, I've been fortunate to be around all kinds of people and and meet all kinds of people. And and if there was one thing that I understood and knew within the business was just um, in order to have longevity, you had to really create the art. It wasn't just about um, waiting on the powers that be or the middlemen or anything like that to get your opportunities. You'd have to create your own opportunities. And so um, I always knew when, since I was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, that I, I would eventually have a production company. I would eventually be doing that work as well. And it was more so a matter of when and so um, I had finished doing a film for Nickelodeon called Spectacular. And um, after that filming experience, I, I just felt that it was the time, that it was now time for me to uh, start creating and start looking at what that end of my life will look like. And, um, and so, yeah, I, my, I started writing. I started just telling people more when I'd have meetings, um, like that this was my passion and this is something that I planned on doing and just started thinking about the kind of stories I wanted to tell and who I wanted it to be for. Um, and then just like anything, just like being an actor, like after a while you meet somebody who tells you about you know, this person and you meet somebody who explains to you this end of things that you need to look into and, and and then you start to just figure it out. And so luckily, because I had also grown up on set, I got to just see set life a lot, um, see the things that I like, see the things that I didn't like. And, um, and so thinking about myself as a producer, it was like, well, this is what I want to do, or this is 
where I want to go. And it's a constant learning, like constantly, constantly. And so, um, yeah, I started working truly on um, content in general. I started a YouTube channel with my friend and we just started building content all the time. Like we set the most intense schedule for ourselves. And that was my first interject introduction into um, just what it was like to create for yourself and what it was like to really map things out and not leave it to just chance, but to really be like, who am I targeting? Why am I targeting them? What do, what do I want to say? How can I edit it? How can I cut it down? And you know, thinking about equipment, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then eventually my web series, Black Actress, was my first scripted thing where I wanted people to see that I knew how to write and that I knew how to produce. And so um, then Black Actress was birthed. And that's when truly I really started with my production company and, um, and taking production really serious. And I tried my best to film Black Actress as much like a TV experience as I possibly could with like my friends and the way we uh, went about it. And, um, and so, yeah, it's been just an adventure ever since. And, and since that we've done two seasons of two different web series and multiple documentary films and uh, pilots. And, and it's been great. It's, it's not an easy thing for people to get into if they're ever interested in being a producer. Uh, you have to truly have a passion for it. And, um, because it's very hard. I think people sometimes think that actors do it because they, it's like, oh, now you're going to cast yourself. And in reality, um, it's, it's a completely different beast to being just an actor, but it also, uh, you could have an idea and be working on it for years. And so it's a slow build. Not everything is going to be quick and not everything is just going to happen overnight. Um, it's, you know, it's a lot of really truly like finding a way to believe in your ideas as much as possible and tweak and learn and tweak and learn. And, and so that's why I think I like producing a lot is that every project that I've ever produced on, I learned something completely new or um, reaffirm something about myself and my child self and how, how much she just loves being in this business. And so, yeah, it's, it's very exciting and I'm glad that I've done it because I truly think in order to have longevity in this business, you have to create for yourself. Create for yourself, have your hands in a lot of pots, and I can definitely tell that you, you know, you've got the dedication and the motivation and just the positive outlook on things to, to keep it going and come up with even more great work. I want everyone to make sure that they are following Andrea on Instagram at Andrea Lewis and her production company Jungle Wild TV, and definitely check out her YouTube for Black Actress and some of her other, her other work um, that includes you know interviews with different people and you know you'll catch up with uh christina schmidt who played terry and all sorts of things i love y'all's friendship by the way what a <laughs> it's very cute um if you, if you just have a couple more minutes if you don't mind indulging me andrea um yeah. in a little lightning round i would love to just like do a quick little word association so i'm gonna name a few of your um former cast members and if you could just give yeah. me like the first word that pops into your head or like a little story that a favorite story you might have or anything like that okay we're gonna mm -hmm. do a couple okay let's start with um cassie Steele, who played manny <laughs> when i think of cassie <laughs> 
I think of somebody who's wild. Um, Cassie was wild when she was a little girl. She's wild now, um, but very fun and very talented. She has so many skills. Like Cassie can do everything. I love that. Um, Adamo Ruggiero, who played Marco. Um, I think if there's anybody that's going to come back to Degrassi in the spinoff, it's Adamo. Oh, okay. That's a good take. I like that. Jake Epstein, who played Craig. I love Jake. Jake is a brilliant person. He's so nice. Like, that's the one thing. Jake is a really kind and nice guy and um, and very talented. And um, and just he's, he's actually the exact same. I think that's why I like Jake the most is because there's, from when I can think of, like, him when we were teens and when I think of if I run into him now, he's the same. He looks the same. He behaves the same. He's the same. He's such a great guy. I love that. And he's been hitting the stage, everyone. He recently joined Instagram last year. So make sure you're finding finding (laughs) Jake Epstein. Um, A little bit of a left field, but Lin Lin Liu, who played Miss Kwan, who I love. (laughs) You know what? Lin Lin is, um, she's very funny, very genuine person. She's somebody, when I think of her, I always think she was one of the first people I'd ever seen who brought a gift to set and it was for every single person on set. Like, so usually when it's coming time to like rap, you know, there's like set gifts and things like that. But she would always find something to give out to every person on the set, which is really hard. Like it used to be hard enough for us to do a cast gift because there's like 15 people on the cast. Like to, so to think of like a gift for every person on was, was always like a task. And, but Lin would always manage to have something to say thank you to every crew, every gaffer, every extra, like everybody would get it. And um, and I, I think that that's like just one of the nicest things I'd ever seen on a, on a set. She's very kind. That's beautiful and hella considerate. Okay, come on, <laughs> come on, no one left behind. Okay, last <laughs> but definitely not least, uh, Lauren Collins who played Paige. When I think of Lauren, um, I think Lauren is very funny. I think Lauren probably does the the best um she's probably the most fan appreciated because i think she really plays into and enjoys indulging with degrassi fans about being page and um it's like she always posts like the like new year new page kind of like thing at like you know the top of the year like she's always like (laughs) finding like embarrassing memes of page and stuff like that like she's very still like and like it tuned in, I always find with like the Degrassi um, fans. And um, and so I think I would, I always think from like their perspective, I'm like, she's, she's probably one of their faves because she's still like, is just like tapped in. <laughs> I'm here for the dedication. And <laughs> I'm here for your dedication to your work and your craft, Miss Andrea. I appreciate your time so much. And I really want to thank, thank you. you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is great. Everyone, make sure you're following Andrea on all social media and keeping up with her work and giving the Wayne Holtz podcast that five-star review. Um, We got a lot more great guests coming up. You know, I have a goal to interview every cast member of Degrassi. So four down, 400 to go. (laughs) I'll see you next time, everyone. Goodbye. The audio for this episode was produced and engineered by Nick Chan. Every time I hear you mock, I wish that I can be your missus. 
Just one minute with Mark. You won't quit talking once you start.